mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers. Sean from Silicon Theory here, and you are listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. The, uh, as the song says, boys are back in town. And uh, here with me tonight, covering his face right at the moment after that joke of mine, <laughs> is Sean P. Say hello, Sean P. What's going on, everyone? So, as most of you probably already know, if you are in any way, shape, or form invested in the technology universe, the uh, last 30 to 40 days have been pretty crazy in the tech space. We have what uh, was lovingly referred to as a Techtober, bringing, I think, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, a record number of new phone launches. And we have a lot of phones that we have in-house that we've reviewed, and we're going to talk about it. So... There is a ton of stuff going on. This may be slightly longer than usual. Hopefully, you'll bear with us. But uh, if you do, you will find some really, really good information. But we've got in no particular order uh, in-house and have or have already or will be reviewing the Pixel 3, uh, the iPhone XS Max and XR, the LG V40 ThinQ, the OnePlus 6T, and we have uh, a G7, which I recently did kind of like a re-review of, even though that wasn't a new phone. And we also have a couple of other phones that were launched, which we don't have in-house, but that we will talk about, like the Mate 20 Pro and the Red Hydrogen 1. So uh, that's a lot of stuff. If you're thinking, damn, that sounds like a lot of phones, it kind of is. Um, did I miss anything, Sean? I have a Google Home Hub that we have to review oh, at some yes. point as well. We've got a Google Home <laughs> Hub too, which we will definitely talk about and get some first impressions. I also had a chance to see it in the uh, in the retail store over at a uh, at a Target recently. But uh, Sean P has been living with one for a while, so we'll get his first impressions on that. So, where um, where do you want to start? iPhones. Okay. We uh, both have had a chance to see and play around with the iPhone XR and the iPhone XS Max. The review, my review of the iPhone XS Max is live on our YouTube channel, so if you want to watch that, you can hit the link in the bio here, or you can head on over to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Silicon Theory. I spent a lot of time with it, and uh, actually I think it was last week, uh, this past week, uh, I gave you a chance to spend a couple of minutes with it. What did you think? I like both of the phones. I, if I were buying an iPhone, I would buy the XR. Personally, uh, it's, I think, the best, most cost-effective way to get into the iPhone infrastructure or upgrade if that's what you're looking to do. We happen to have the snazzy red model, too, which I think looks great. Um, you know, the bezels are definitely larger, and you're giving up the, the you know nicer OLED screens, I guess. But I have to say, I thought the LCD looked pretty good. I'm picky about screens, and I thought it was more than adequate. And... Uh, you know, you can get you can actually get a 128 gigabyte version, which doesn't exist with the any of the S models, and it's 799 dollars, which seems, and I'm amazed that I'm saying this, downright reasonable, all things considered. So that does sound strange. Yeah, well, what a world we live in. So um, I like it, and then the the Tennis Max makes me feel the same way I do about all large Apple iPhones. It's nice, and if money's no object, it's the one I would buy, but. Their large phones don't really do much versus their smaller ones. It's not like a the Note necessarily where you're getting some extra functionality. It's just a bigger iPhone. Um, but it's got a great screen and a nice design, and uh, it's really expensive. I think that's kind of, uh, in a lot of ways, that sums up my experience with it and reviewing it. So it is, as I said uh, in the review, uh, the best uh, iPhone that Apple has ever produced, and all of the things that you touched on are absolutely screw- absolutely true. The screen is one of the best I've ever seen, and in fact, may be the best, uh, depending on you know what type of color profile you prefer. Uh, it is a big phone. Uh, the title of our review is "It's a Lot of Phone" because it is a lot of phone. Um, I liked it more than I thought that I would, uh, considering that I recently made the decision to downsize and get the Pixel 3, the 5.5-inch smaller variant, versus the Pixel 3 XL, which is roughly the same size as the iPhone XS Max. Um, But I tend to agree also uh, with your assessment that if I was going to purchase an iPhone, if I was going to make the switch, it probably would be for the XR. I do have some concerns with it, most notably 
not the display itself, but the resolution thereof. So it's a really funky 828p resolution is noticeable in my time with the phone, uh, especially when you're watching a lot of video content. I tend to gather and watch a number of different technology channels, and so those channels, because of the nature of their being technology-related, tend to use fairly high-end cameras with uh, either you know very high frame rates or you know straight up 4K or larger resolutions. So when you're watching those videos and you're used to seeing them in either a 2K or a 1080p res, and you get to an 828, which is downsampled to 720p, it is noticeable. I watched um, Dave2D, I watched uh, MKBHD, I watched Jonathan Morrison over at TLD Today. All of those videos looked noticeably not as sharp to my eyes versus what I'm used to uh, previously with my Pixel 2 XL, which had a, a 1440p display, and now the Pixel 3, which has a 1080p display. Aside from that noticeable uh, downscaled resolution, which pretty much only appeared in watching video content, the rest of the phone is fine. You're getting the latest and greatest Apple processor. You're getting one of Apple's best cameras. You're getting incredible battery life. And quite honestly, one of the things I think is underrated about that phone is the size. It's not as big as the iPhone XS Max, and it's a fair amount bigger than the iPhone XS, which is kind of you know small-ish, if you can say that, about a 5.8-inch display in a phone. But um, the bezels are a little bit chunky on the sides, but again, you'd only notice it when comparing it side-by-side -side with one of the other newer model iPhones. The, the version of the LCD display, this liquid retina technology that they use, is quite good. When you're looking at the display by itself and when you're in the home screen or menus or apps or things like that, you are not going to notice the problem with the resolution or the funky resolution. If you watch a ton of video, it might bother you. If you don't watch a ton of video, I don't think you're going to notice at all. And I think that you're going to really, really enjoy spending $750 on a phone versus $999 or $1099 on the other two newer iPhones that have different features. Yeah, no, I think they're great phones. It's amazing how expensive phones have gotten. It's going to be interesting to see as kind of Samsung and some of these other companies push the bezel-less envelope, if you will, next year. I actually think it's going to start to look dated pretty quickly. They're saying that uh, it's going to have, they're going to, I think, put the infrared and the normal camera together next year on the iPhone, so the notch is going to get smaller. Narrow, um, yeah. But it's still going to be I mean, pretty large. So if these other companies do manage to hide it completely, it'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, I guess at this point we should know consumers don't really give a damn about the designs. They will buy the iPhone regardless. So I guess it doesn't matter. But Sales numbers would appear to agree with you. But uh, I do think that it'll, you know, very quickly it may look kind of aged. So we'll see. We'll see what it's like. And, you know, the other thing that's kind of interesting is, this is a quick aside, the iPad Pros are by mm. far and away the best tablets I've ever seen, but they move the prices up even more to the point where it's like, you know, you can get a 799 base, but by the time you get a pencil and some other things, you're looking at a grand, and then it can max out to over $2,200, depending on what you're doing. But uh, And the processor, the A12X and the new iPad Pros are even more insanely powerful than the A12 and the phones. But the software is really the thing that's kind of holding it back. And I, I was talking to my dad a little about this. I think on the phone, maybe the simplicity of the iOS makes a lot of sense, but on those iPad Pro devices, I don't think it does anymore. So I don't know whether you split out another OS that you have kind of in the middle between Mac OS and iOS, and you call it something else or whatnot, but definitely the thing that's holding back the iPad Pros in my eyes is the software, um, which kind of honestly is the thing that holds back the iPhones in my eyes too, is the software, although I can appreciate a little bit more in the phone form factor but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what apple does over the next few generations because you know it looks like samsung's going to do some cool stuff this year and push the envelope a little bit you still have google doing some cool stuff um, especially in the camera department and then OnePlus has their own kind of thing going on so i don't know we'll see yeah i tend to agree the uh like you've kind of already touched on the the simplicity or perceived simplicity of ios is definitely much more uh, relevant on a mobile phone um, as a tablet, as a productivity device, as something that Apple is already touting as something that can replace your computer or famously in their commercials, they say, what's a computer? 
Um, this has been the common denominator with a lot of other reviews that I've seen too. Like the hardware is great. The software is not taking full advantage of it. And that's kind of a shame, especially at the prices that they're charging. If I'm paying 2,200 bucks for something, I better be able to do real work. And I don't think you can with iOS and iPad pro and a keyboard. It's got the power to do it. I think the OS is just holding it back. And that seems to be what the reviews mostly say as well. So, all right, moving on pixels. Yeah. Let's talk about the pixel three. La. I don't know. Okay, there's my I, review. I just there's my review. You got it. Can we? What else? Have to edit. What else is there? Out. Don't worry. I'll I'll, fil- I'll fix that. If in. we can just edit, I'll fix that in post. Don't worry. Completely. I'll fix it in post. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So I have been a Pixel Three owner since uh, launch day, and in fact, as has been Google's want, I got it shipped to me a day early, so I got a chance to play around with it. The unboxing video, or the what I called the not unboxing video, because we've seen these phones now leaked months and months and months ahead of time. Um, also available on our YouTube channel, so if you want to check that out. Um, as I mentioned previously, I made the conscious decision to downgrade in size from the Pixel 2 XL to the Pixel 3, and even though the Pixel 3 is significantly more expensive than last year's smaller model. Um, and while I am not 100% sure that a ton was done to justify that price, there is still nothing like using a Pixel phone in terms of its fluidity, in terms of its overall software profile, and in terms of the camera being the absolute best you can buy in a mobile smartphone. For me, the purchase was more about getting back to a phone that felt more manageable to me, and in day-to-day use that has proven to be true. Um, I just took it out of its case not that long ago to give it to Sean P to demonstrate the hardware quality, which is, in my opinion, very good. And they added things that were important, like wireless charging. So for my money, the Pixel 3 is an excellent smartphone for a lot of people. Uh, The Pixel 3 XL, which I'm sure shares a lot of these same values, is ugly as sin and an abomination to be a crime against both man and God. But Pixel 3, pretty good. Good on you, Google. What do you think? Now that I've seen the Pixel 3 XL in person, it is indeed as ugly as it looked in the pictures. I try not to judge phones by just pictures anymore because sometimes you don't get a good look at what they actually look like. That's fair. I'm inclined to agree with your review. I, I think that I don't think the value proposition is there as much anymore. If there's one thing that I've kind of learned by this, you know, phone mageddon during October, it's every smartphone that I've laid hands on is pretty freaking good at this point. So I, I think the Pixel 3, to your point, still has. I don't think it is the fastest software all the way anymore. I think OnePlus may hold that for me, although it's close. I think it does have the best overall camera, but you can kind of pick nits here because the newest Samsung cameras are pretty good. The newest Apple cameras are pretty good, and the new newest Huawei, especially in the Mate 20 cameras, are pretty good. So, I mean, there's a lot of good cameras rolling around out there, although I would say the Pixel 3 probably still has the edges the best. Uh, as far as the build quality... That's the best feeling glass phone that I've ever held. I have to say, I don't know what that coating is that they're doing on the back. I'm going to have to read up more on that, but it's pretty neat. It feels, I don't know what it feels like. It doesn't feel like plastic or anything. It's no. kind of unique. It but, is it's very different. But it's very grippy, uh, and I've been using, I'm, I'm actually going to be reviewing the LG V40. Think, think Q, do we thin, call it Think Q? Thin Q efficient. I, I refuse. But anyway, um, it is slippery as all get out, as glass phones are. I mean, I think I made a joke with Sean that they should have just made the back out of vegetable oil or something because that's what it feels like when you're using it. Like it's just going to slip out of your hand. So comparatively, it's amazing the difference. But this is one of those things where I don't really care that much because I feel like if you have a $1,000 phone, you should put a case on it anyway. And so ultimately, I'm not sure this matters as much as people think. But um, I like them. I don't think the prices are justified. I guess if we were if we're picking nits, that's it for me. That it, in a nutshell, it's in a universe where you can get the OnePlus Six T now from T-Mobile directly for hundreds of dollars less. I, I don't. I don't know. It, it is hard to argue, and and in my mind, as I'm putting together the Pixel Three review, which will be out hopefully next week. Um, I have made the Pixel my phone of the year the last two years, even with the other issues aside, simply because the experience is unlike one that you can get with any other smartphone. And I think you're right. I think we're at a point right now where you can start to get a similar experience with other smartphones and for cheaper. 
Um, I saw somebody compare the the two phones on Reddit, which I thought was a little bit apt. So you have kind of the raw brute power of the OnePlus 6T, which feels uh, very quick, but choppy, if that makes sense. Like it's in a rush to get you the things quickly, which it does do, and it is very fast. I don't know that it's as smooth overall as the Pixel, um, but I would definitely agree that they are very close in terms of raw speed. And even with the, the discounted program that T-Mobile recently had, you can get the phone for $580. And the variant that we have right now is the 128 gig of storage, 8 gig of RAM model. And it's, it's nice. I mean, it is definitely something that you would want to consider because of the price point. And you would say to yourself, well, what am I missing out on the Pixel? You know, the camera's you know, maybe 15% better, maybe 20% better, maybe. Um, battery life is definitely going to be better on the OnePlus device because it's got a much larger power pack in it. Uh, it is a bigger phone. And really, as I mentioned, already the only thing that the Pixel 3 brought to the table for me was the form factor, which I really liked. It was basically my same Pixel 2 XL just shrunken down a little bit. And the more and more I use it, the more and more I come to appreciate having that smaller form factor. But the more and more I've spent time with the OnePlus 6T, I go, Ugh. You know, I think that price is really a barrier to entry for a lot of people in the Pixel 3 series and the Pixels in general. And as much as it pains me to say it, I think because of that, I don't think the Pixel 3 can be the phone of the year. So I would say my phone of the year so far, and I have not had more than five minutes before this podcast using the 6T was the OnePlus 6. I've recommended it to quite a few people and everyone who I know who I've recommended it to and bought one has really enjoyed their experience with it. And I, let's just segue right on into the OnePlus 6T, shall we? Yeah, so for the first time ever, it does actually have carrier support in the United States. Uh, it is on T-Mobile. They are only carrying one variant, which is, the, as Sean alluded to, the 128 gigabyte, 8 gigabyte, uh, is it Midnight Black? Is that the color? Uh, no, it is, uh, I just wrote this, and where did I write it? Whatever, it's, uh, bla- it's black phone. Mirror Black. M- mirror Black, so this is, this is now on a major U.S. carrier. Um, by virtue of that, I think they said sales in North America the first day were 86%. 86 is correct. Above the OnePlus 6. And as they said, the OnePlus 6 was already kind of an excellent phone. In some ways, I think we felt like the OnePlus 6T, in fact, was a side grade, which is so I want to get my hands on it some more. From a technical standpoint, it's not much different. Slightly larger screen. They removed the headphone jack, but they added in an in-screen fingerprint scanner. Um, and they went with this water drop notch that's smaller than the notch that was on the OnePlus 6. Um, we don't really talk about specs as much anymore because I think we're kind of in a... Most phones have specs that are pretty uh, equivalent. So we talk more about the experiences of the phones now. And yeah, the OnePlus 6T, I, I mean, from a design standpoint, I think is actually my favorite of the notch phones so far. Uh, the water drop notch, as they call it, is tiny. It's got a tiny bottom bezel. Very and, small, and uh, it—I it, don't know—it looks really, it looks really good. It looks like a refinement of the OnePlus Six, which is what you would expect. We were comparing it to the um, V40 before we came online, and they're similar looking, but again, I think overall the design of the 6T is slightly nicer. Um, and you can buy this on for what is it, five seventy nine? They didn't—they uh, didn't raise the price. Five seventy nine is correct. So. You know, when you really look around, and you can still buy it unlocked, so you can still buy it on, uh, it'll work on AT&T, and by the way, it is now certified on Verizon. So really, you can't buy it from Verizon, but you can buy it unlocked, much like the Pixels, and use it on any network except for Sprint, or you can buy it from T-Mobile directly. So one of the big barriers we talked about over the years with the OnePlus phones was you couldn't use it on the majority of carriers in the United States. That is no longer the case. So if I were someone that was not financing a phone, and I were buying a phone outright and using it on, I don't know, AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile at this point, why would it not be this phone? Why would I spend an additional, what, minimum $200 more to buy a Pixel? Uh, $799, yeah, maybe five, six, seven, eight, yeah, eh, 200 and change. So mm-hmm. I, I, where does that leave us? I've spent the last uh, four days now with the, uh, when did I get it? When was my last Thursday? Yeah. Uh, I've spent the last four days now with the OnePlus 6T, and I can honestly say that it surprised me. 
Um, it surprised me with how much I liked the size, even though it is a little bit bigger than I'm, I'm ready to admit that would be my preferred size of phone. The display is fine. It's a 1080p, what they call their super optic AMOLED. Gets plenty bright. Um, it is a little dim to read in very bright sunlight outdoors, but that's such a low use case situation that I wouldn't even really care that much. I use my phones mostly indoors, and that's how I think most people should use their phones. Stay out of the sun, people. It's bad. Um, it's, it's very fast. The specs are relatively future-proof, but even if they weren't, you're still paying a hell of a lot less than you are for the vast majority of these flagship phones. And it's an excellent value proposition, even though OnePlus has, has significantly improved their prices or increased their prices since the initial OnePlus One launch. Um, what was that, like $199? I think the first one was $299. $299. So whatever it was, it was hella cheap, and it's not hella cheap anymore but you are still getting an excellent, excellent, excellent value proposition out of this phone. I can't think other than wireless charging and being convinced that it's actually some kind of water and dust resistant rated. Um, I can't think of any two things that it really, other than those two things, doesn't have that I would absolutely want in my next major smartphone purchase. And for me, the Pixel 3 is more of a labor of love simply because I, I at this point must have unlimited photo backups in native resolution for all of the pictures I take of the kiddos. And it's an excellent camera, so for that, I, I really enjoy using it. But two or three years from now, I could very easily see myself still using the OnePlus 6T. Um, I don't know as I can feel the same way about the Pixel 3 right now. We've talked about the OnePlus as the spiritual successor to the Pixel, excuse me, Nexus to probably. the Nexus line. It is now, only it's better than any of the Nexuses ever were. I mean, the screen's great, it's fast as hell, it gets fast updates. It's cameras, got a decent camera. Cameras are more than sufficient at this point. Um, I would say they're actually damn good. We were, again, talking about this before we came online, and it's like, yeah, we're, we're getting pretty close to any of these are daily drivable from my perspective, so... You know, looking at it as a whole package, it's like, I'm a Samsung guy. I've spent a lot of money on Samsung phones, and we'll talk about maybe the fact that I might spend an ungodly amount Even on a future Samsung phone. Money. But, um, and you buy the Pixels, and, you know, we've, we've had expensive phones all along, but it's like, man, especially now that it's available on carriers, if, like, if you're on Verizon, it's unlocked, unlocked bootloader, works, 580 bucks. Hard to argue that that's not the thing that most people should do, whether you're super tech savvy or not. Now, it, it does have some of the Verizon bands, not all of them, is my understanding. It has been certified for Verizon. It will work. Um, but one thing that you probably want to consider is because Verizon does not sell this phone in their store, it's kind of a bring your own device thing. They're not going to support you if you have problems with it. Which, you know, even if you bought the phone from Verizon, chances are good they're not going to support you anyways. But it it is, there's so much here to like and there's so much to take away from the fact that you can get basically a goddamn flagship phone for under $600 that will last you with enough headroom to last you at least two years. Yeah, actually has some stuff that other flagships have done. I mean, it's the first commercially available under screen fingerprint scanner in the United States. It's true. We've seen some on Chinese phones other places, but I mean, it has one, and we were experimenting with it, and it, you've been using it. it. It hit the first time really fast. It did have trouble scanning one time, but I mean, still, it worked. It eventually unlocked, and this is cool technology. It may not be there yet, but they did it first. I, I don't know. I think it actually is my front runner for phone of the year, I, I want to get more hands on it, but just save for the fact that it's five hundred eighty dollars. The Note's one thousand. The nice iPhone started a thousand. The Pixel, if you want to get a large one, starts in that same price range. Although you can't get the smaller ones. Man, I don't know. I feel like this is the year maybe we crossed over there. The others didn't do enough to differentiate themselves from that phone. I think you're right. I think we don't have enough now. I think we have enough smartphone parity. Where it comes down to, do you like the Samsung display and camera? Do you like the iPhone display and camera? Do you like the Pixel software and camera? Like it's basically about things that differentiate the phones that are not related in any way, shape, or form, specifically to the, the spec war that we've talked about that has existed in so many years in the past. 
And there are going to be stands, like there are Samsung stands, there are Apple stands, there are Pixel stands, Google stands. Like it's a it's a real uh, love kind of hate relationship with certain OEMs. But all of these phones taken in a vacuum do a lot of things really, really good that the vast majority of people would be able to pick it up, use it right away and get a lot of value out of it. And I think, you know, I tend to agree that I think for the money, the OnePlus 6T so far, probably the front runner, even dropping the headphone jack, dropping the notification LED. Um, I, I think, I think it's probably the best value proposition so far this year. All right. What's I agree. Next? Let's move let's move along to LG. LG has been very kind to us over the years. They send us review units. Uh, Sean has reviewed the G7 twice now. Um, and we have a V40 in-house. We do. And this was a phone that was also announced during this time period. And I, I think kind of got lost in the... I mean, there were so many phones. It was impossible to keep track. But Crazy month, um, definitely. You know, this is the follow-up to last year's V30, as you can imagine. It uses an AMOLED screen. Um, it has a notch. It looks like a larger more refined uh, G7 to my eyes, I would say. Yeah. Um, save for on the back, we are now rocking the triple camera. So this has a normal camera, if you will. It has a wide-angle camera, and then it has a, what do we call it, telescope? Telephoto. Telephoto, excuse me, telephoto camera. Um, I've had it for the last few days. I have been laid up inside a little bit, but uh, I'm, I've been testing it, using it a lot, and I really like it. Um... Overall, it's light in hand, which is nice. It's quite a bit lighter than the Note, and it's just small enough that it doesn't feel quite as clumsy as the Note 8 does. In all honesty, the Note 8's a huge, heavy phone, actually, as it turns out. Um, still has a headphone jack. Uh, screen is much improved over the V30, I would say. Um, although I was, I will say it's funny. When you put it next to the Note 8, which is now a generation behind on the Samsung screens. It still doesn't look quite as good. It's not quite as vibrant. Mm. It's close, and I think in normal usage you wouldn't notice it, but it's still not quite as nice. Um, but they've made a lot of nice strides there. Um, I would say the main thing about the phone is that I need to still test the cameras. And the things that are holding it back are the things that kind of typically hold LG phones back, unfortunately, which are, I would say the LG skin is maybe my least favorite OEM skin at this point. Uh, it just, it feels aged a little bit. Um, even Samsung, they just showed off their new One UI and like they're making some nice strides. LG just kind of feels old. Uh, it, it's, it's due, it's past due for an update. Um, and the other thing that's holding this phone back really is just the price. It's yeah. expensive. It's it's in the same price range as the Note 9, the Pixel 3 XL, the iPhone 10s, and it, when you're in that range, it's it doesn't do anything where I would say it's inferior to the others per se, but it also doesn't do anything that like distinguishes itself. So and so, and LG doesn't have kind of the brand cachet I would say that the others do in the smartphone market right now. Uh, so it's. You know, I want to reserve judgment here a little bit. I'm really enjoying my time with it. But at the same time, I have a feeling come review time, it's going to be very similar to the V30 last year where I'm going to go, it's a great phone, but I'm not sure I would buy it over the others. And, you know, we'll see if, if that's the case or not once I finish kind of getting fully uh, up to date with what the phone can do. But it's it's really, really good. Even the, I mean, even a phone that I may not recommend, it's so good. Like phones are so good now. This phone does everything well. I think if this was your daily driver, you'd be perfectly happy with it for years. Uh, then in that case, I think you got a lot of balls to say it's too expensive. All phones are that good now. I can't think of a flagship this year except for the HTC U12 Plus. Did you just now get that joke? <laughs> now what'd you say? I said you got a lot of balls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boom! I dropped a mic. Wow. I dropped a mic. He's making the vasectomy joke. But I'm. By the way, it's not that bad and also terrible at the same time. So, <laughs> <laughs> moving right along. Zing. Uh, good phone. I, all phones are good though, and it just doesn't distinguish itself. That's my that's my mini review so far. I went into the T-Mobile store the other day, and I walked out with a OnePlus 6T. But aside from that. I looked at the pricing on the G7 and the V40 because they were right next to each other while I was waiting for the time lock on the safe to be open so that I actually purchased the goddamn phone. But uh, 
the G7 was $600, and the V40 is $920. That's too much for a phone like the V40, which doesn't have the brand cachet. And I think we've already kind of established that Samsung has an edge not only in name recognition, but they basically hang their hat on hardware differentiation. They've got the best screen, they've got one of the best cameras, they've got the best build quality, like their hardware is impeccable. Google and the Pixel is gonna hang their hat on the camera and software differentiation. The, the cleanest version of Android, the smoothest, one of the best performing phones that's out there, and the camera is basically going to kind of obliterate pretty much anything else, you know, with, with the vast majority of circumstances. There are some use cases where, you know, the iPhone camera may be slightly better, the Samsung camera may be slightly better, but what Google does with computational photography and their software experience is literally what differentiates using the Pixel from any other phone. LG doesn't have anything that differentiates them from the pack. And I think that they make great phones. And I've said this before, the G7 was one of my most underrated phones this year. And I really like using it. In fact, I still have it at the office somewhere, but I really enjoyed my time with it. I really enjoyed using it. Which is funny. I didn't love it as much. I think this phone's far superior. And could very well be like the AMOLED display itself may make it uh, a winner, but and the fact that it has triple cameras, which gives you a much more flexible experience. And LG is kind of hanging their hat on the camera and audio experience, which are both good. It's got a big, you know, quad DAC inside that you can drive some really good headphones. The triple cameras, um, you get basically any kind of shot that you want out of that out of that camera. But the cameras just aren't quite as good. The display is good, but not quite as good as a Samsung. The software experience is okay, and it's not quite as good as a Pixel. So I think if LG really wanted to find something that they need to differentiate themselves, it should be the price. If you came in at $799 with this phone... $799 is my magic number for this phone. I think at $799, you take a look at it compared to the $1,000 Note, and you're like, hmm, am I really going to use the S Pen that much? And it's also smaller and lighter, like enough so that I think that would actually drive some people this direction. The notch and the design is so much better than the Pixel 3 XL. I don't even know where to start, so Absolutely. it has that going for it. Yeah. $799 would be like my magic number. If it, was, if it had been released at that price point, I think it comes out, and it still isn't going to, you know sell more than the others but i think it becomes a lot more compelling at that point so it's as i said i want to wait use the cameras and really finish reviewing it i just really like it i just wish it wasn't 920 dollars. yeah but again again like all the phones i mean they're so damned expensive now i mean that's it except for the one plus and I, I think that LG could really could really make some inroads because we've talked about this before and we did it in comparison with the OnePlus 6T versus the other flagships, right? So that's definitely how OnePlus differentiates themselves. We are the low price leader. Is it $200 worse than a Pixel phone? Eh, you're getting 90% of the flagship stuff for 75% of the price. Like, that's an excellent value proposition. And I think LG has a chance to kind of be in that same market. They're absolutely gonna have to price their phones higher. They're using high quality components. They're using uh, you know, an excellent amount of features in this phone, but I don't know what the markup is on it. I'm sure it's significant, but I think that if they said, we're gonna try and make it up in quantity and bring this phone in just a little bit cheaper than our competitors, now you have something where you can go, okay, do I want to spend $1,000 and get the best of the best? Or do I want to spend $800 and get a phone that's, you know, 85, 90% is good? You know what would kick ass if they made a V40 Android 1? Mm. Um, where they said, yeah, screw it. It runs stocky Android. You're guaranteed three years worth of updates. You get all this nice hardware. Like, I feel like, again, if I were a consumer, at that point I would go, well, that's freaking awesome. Because, again, it's like the spiritual successor to the Nexus at that point. Only, like... This hardware is also far superior to anything that they ever did with the Nexus line. Yeah, and that's not so close. So if they did that, I mean, that would be huge. And I almost think they did this kind of with the G7. They have that Android 1 version. Yeah. So maybe this is something they'll embrace. But, I mean, that would be a compelling smartphone. 799 Android 1, three years worth of updates. I think I would walk in versus the $1,000 Samsung at that point and go, well, wait a minute here. Triple camera, nice hardware, it costs $200 less, and I get 
stock yeah, Android. Reverse. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. They're doing a lot right. They really do make nice phones. So it's just too bad. I think it's hard to stand out in the pack right now. True. True. And LG's mobile division has been struggling, and I I think and we both know this phone is gonna go on sale at some point in the not too distant future. Like, why not just bring it out at that price? Stop pretending that you're not going to cut the price because you're going to. Everybody knows that. That's why nobody buys it during launch week because they know a week from now it's going to be $150 less. And just say, hey, we made a a smartphone that's really good and it's cost less than some of the other people's. Buy it at that price, please. Yeah, do what OnePlus did. Come out underpriced, gain some market share, and then gradually ramp the price up as you get some brand recognition yeah. and you know loyalty. what I mean it's yeah. in loyalty and you could do it because this phone's really good I mean it really is and if it ran stock Android it would be really freaking good yeah. and yeah so there you go you want to hit the red hydrogen one real quick we're starting to run long you, no I think we're good sure, yeah. um, I I am very much looking forward to what your review of the V40 is in the long run because I'm I'm very hopeful for LG in the future best but, phone they've ever made I just don't know if it's enough let's uh, I have had, we will preface this segment by saying I have had some hands-on time with the Red Hydrogen One device. There is a video of it up on our YouTube channel. Make sure you go and check that out. It was my first impressions video of the event. And fortunately or unfortunately, the vast majority of the major tech sites and tech YouTubers have had an opportunity to review this phone. And very much, unfortunately, it does not look like the phone changed much from the pre-production unit that I used several months ago. I think calling this phone an unmitigated disaster is actually underselling it a little bit. The reviews were some of the funniest I've read in years. Like, as we just talked about, the phones have gotten so good, you don't really see savage reviews anymore because even when the phone's whatever, it's still like... And it's still pretty good. This was just like, this phone's bad, like straight up. Like, it's bad and expensive, which is like a really bad mix. That's a bad combination. Um, it's huge. The Massive. design's kind of clunky. Uh, the, it's built like a freaking tank and you, looks like one, too. The, the cameras aren't great, which is what Red does. They do cameras. Um, the, the Verge review is particularly savage. I mean, it, it was basically like, I think he says something to the extent of, I enjoyed reviewing this phone just to remind myself basically like how bad phones were once upon a time and how how good we have it. I mean, something I'm paraphrasing here, but MKHB, MKBHD is a huge supporter of Red. His review was not complimentary. The subtitle of his phone was, I wanted to like this phone. It's, man, you know what? Big props to them for like swinging for the fences, I will say. I mean, but I think this falls squarely into the, I'm not really sure why you did it. Like if you went to Red and you asked their CEO, like, what was the purpose of this phone? Like, what, what is it? Is it a vanity project? Did he just really like smartphones and needed something to try? I mean, what, what was the goal here? You're going to build a mass market $1,300 smartphone. Apple can do it, but I'm not so sure you can. It's funny, and I will. Uh, Daniel Bader from the Android Central podcast uh, straight up asked the question: "I don't understand why this phone exists. It shouldn't exist." And unlike the Android Central podcast, we will actually get the CEO's name, Jim Gennard, correct. Uh, they called him Jim Jensen, which was cringeworthy. But I guess maybe they they it's thought the phone was they whatever. thought the phone was so bad Who they didn't cares? give a shit about getting <laughs> yeah, his name I, right. So I can't say they're wrong. Yeah, but it. It is, and I mentioned this to Sean off air. I mean, like this—this uh, this has been called Jim Gennard's vanity project, and this is from a guy who started Oakley and then built it up and sold it to Luxottica, and started a camera company, kind of as a vanity project, and built it up and sold all of his cameras to high-end cinemas. And Red has a lot of cachet in the camera space, but it's very clear that their expertise in cinema cameras did not translate to what they would have to do to be the designer, not the fabricator, but just the designer of a mobile smartphone because they're using off-the-shelf parts for the camera, off-the-shelf sensors, and then they're doing some tweaking. The camera UI is not good. It is bad. The images that the phone produces are not terrible in quality, but I would basically put them on par with like 
a Motorola phone. And let's be honest, Motorola phones have not been known for their excellent image quality. The phones that we've reviewed, the phones that we reviewed last year were adequate, acceptable, uh, okay at best. And if you're sharing them solely to social media, just fine. In any other circumstance and setting, they were not good. And that is the basically the status of this smartphone's camera. It's operating system is jittery. The battery life is excellent, but the phone is so big, it makes it almost counterproductive to have a phone that's that large. Even if it lasts a long time, if your, your hand's going to get tired of holding it, you're gonna have to put it down eventually. Someone in a review that I read said they actually accidentally dropped the smartphone on their partner's face in bed and it injured them. Well, I was going to say, like, if you ever get mugged and you hit someone with it, you're going to win. So it has that going for it. I mean, there's, it, it's just a bizarre device. If they were going to do something, I much prefer what Razer did with their device. Mm. Like, the Razer 2, which we're not even talking about because there's just too many phones. Jeez. It's kind of cool. Like, if you're going to do something different, I, I kind of admire what they're doing. It's like they took all of the complaints from last year's phone, and they built a much better version of it. It still has a 120 hertz screen. Um, great battery life, top-end specs. It's not too expensive. It's kind of neat. Like, I don't know that I would buy one, but I'm intrigued by it at least. And it doesn't cost too much. It's like a very reasonable price for what it is. They improved the cameras. I mean, they, they did some cool stuff. The one is just, I don't, I, no one, look, no one seems to know why it exists and the people that review it, it's bad and it's super expensive. So do, do you think they'll ever make another one? I don't know. Here's a couple of other things I want to point out. One, even though it's being sold at Verizon and AT&T, which is something of a minor mystery and miracle in and of itself, and I was relatively impressed by this at first, it's not actually being sold in stores. You cannot go into a store and look and feel and get hands-on with the Red Hydrogen One, and that's before we even get to the point that the Titanium One, which costs even more money, doesn't even exist and may, may as well be vaporware as far as we know right now, but when you go online... You can see that the phone is available as an online exclusive. So the fact that you really have to sell this phone by somebody taking a look at it in person and going, I love Kevlar, I love aluminum fins, I love gigantic phones that are as big as a tablet from three years ago. Like You'd really have to sell somebody on this phone by them seeing it in person because absolutely no one is going to buy a $1,300 phone sight unseen. And right now, that's all that you can get. The other thing that's a problem is we have already a case study in what you do when you try and start a smartphone company and produce a very um, unique product and charge too much money for it. And that was the essential phone. Andy Rubin is a goddamn godfather of Android. He started a company with his Google Hush money and some investors, and he produced a titanium and ceramic phone, which was unapologetically a slab of really, really cool-looking hardware that had absolutely garbage software and a garbage camera. He only wanted $699 for his phone, and I believe that they sold something in the neighborhood of uh, 100,000 units in four months or six months or something like that. I don't care how many people in Hollywood use red cameras. There is absolutely, all those people right now are using iPhones, number one. And if they buy a second phone for $1,300, they're quickly going to not buy anything else from this company. Because if the essential phone couldn't sell at $699 for what it was, there isn't a chance in hell that red is going to sell any more of these at $1,300. So for those of you listening out there, if you're going to start your own cell phone company, OnePlus should be the company you would model it after. I would say Razer's probably doing second best or okay with Essential right there. And, and then don't third, red. Don't. the Xiaomi Black Shark. No, we're, we're not. Come on, man. It's a phone called the freaking Black Shark. What's cooler you, than that? Can you just, no, no, stop it. Bad Sean. You got a lot of balls making that joke at me, sir. <laughs> They're still kind of tender. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Let's go to last. So we have a phone that we want to talk about that we haven't had a chance to have and review because it kind of isn't available here in the United States yet, and that is the 
Huawei Mate 20 Pro. Oh, yeah, we were going to talk about the Mate 20 Pro. I would also throw the Mi Mix 3 in there as well if we were talking two of them. We, we've gone long already. The Mate 20 Pro looks cool. Uh, basically, they took the P20 Pro with its triple cameras and kind of all of that goodness, and they made a bigger version with a slightly larger 4200 milliamp hour battery. It's got a curved AMOLED screen. They bumped the resolution up to... Uh, is it 2960 by 1440, I believe? I think that's correct. Um, it's an AMOLED made by BOE, I believe, um, which is someone I would not seen before. And they the subpixel matrix is really interesting looking. Like, it looks kind of like a, a duck staring at you, for lack of better words. Look it up if you've got time. Um, it, it looks really nice. It's not coming to the States, probably because our current administration doesn't like China. Um, there's some troubling things coming out about it, though. The, the reviews were good. The cameras were, you know, supposed to be really pretty fancy and could do some really cool stuff. It looks like they're having some problems with that AMOLED screen. And by problems, I mean I've seen some defective units that are amongst the worst. That I mean, it, it look, they look radioactive. And what I mean by that is they have this green glow to them. And Huawei at first was not really acknowledging this, but now is kind of acknowledging this question mark. Really? I hadn't heard that part. So, um, it looks really neat. I don't know if I'm ever going to get my hands on one here, unfortunately. I, it's unclear. They, they had said at one point that they might sell it through a retailer here, but then I think they backed off and said that they're not going to sell it through a retailer here mm -hmm. online or otherwise, so I'm not sure what the status is, but I mean, it really is. It has a notch, uh, but and it looks a lot like Samsung phone in a lot of ways as far as the glass construction and the curved edges. Mm -hmm. It's got the translucent, not translucent, what do you, uh, gradient colors. Yeah, some really cool colors um, actually. What you need. And it's got that, it's got a, a quad camera module on the back. It's got actually three cameras and then a, a flash in there as well. So it's really neat looking. Um, Huawei is definitely doing the everything but the kitchen sink as far as specs is concerned. It has, you know, the first 7 nanometer Android chip, the Kirin 980. Um, I, they're cool. Huawei's the second largest phone maker in the world, and they just can't seem to get any traction in the United States. It's kind of a shame. Yeah, and I mean, all current discussions about our political administration right now banning pretty much anything from China, except for the things that they want to come from China, all of that stuff aside... Um, the thing with the display really kind of concerns me. I've seen a lot of pictures in Reddit that are not good looking. Like if you had some concerns about the Pixel 3's display made by LG, and there are some concerns about the Pixel 3's display, don't get me wrong, but at least that shit is a glowing green underneath the screen. Let me tell you something, that is not cool at all. And if it is a problem with the glue, it could be that this new display manufacturer has some kinks to be worked out in their uh, fabrication process. It's one of the worst displays I've ever seen, but on the upside, the phone seems to be more water-resistant than our president. Too soon? Oh, Too soon? Served! The, <laughs> the real thing about Huawei and the Mate 20 Pro is kind of what their CEO said at the CES earlier this year is, People deserve a choice, and there are many, many countries in Europe that have been using Huawei phones for long years without any kind of issues. And so I don't think that the kinds of concerns that the U.S. government has about Huawei as a phone OEM are legitimate. Now, there are some other concerns about other hardwares and stuff that they manufacture that's coming over, but that aside, I would really very much like to get my hands on a Mate 20 Pro. I just don't yes, know if we're going to... Don't know if we're going to get that chance. By the way, the fact that OnePlus is now over here being offered on major, like a major network, it's interesting to me that the administration had no qualms about that, but has major concerns about Huawei. I've yet to see, by the way, any actual tangible evidence of any wrongdoing by Huawei, and I've looked for this. This is just one of those things where it's like it's out there, and then when you ask for any level of specifics from anyone, no one has any. Yeah. Um, I guess in the land alternative facts. That's the way things are. So there Hey, you go. man, I've, if I don't have anecdotal evidence, I've got nothing at all. Although we do have evidence that OnePlus themselves has actually taken information and sent it back to servers in China. So the fact that they're being allowed on both T-Mobile and Verizon is a little bit... Fake news. Isn't it ironic? Fake enemy of the people. Don't you think? You are the enemy of the people with your puns. That's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I will allow that one. That one will stay in, in post. So... We've covered the iPhone XS Max, the XR. We've covered the Pixel 3. We covered the LG V40. We covered the OnePlus 6T. 
we covered the Mate 20 Pro and the Red Hydrogen One. Anything, any other phones that we didn't hit? Yeah, but you want to talk about the Samsung stuff real quick? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's hit it. Okay, so Samsung had their big, like, I don't know what it is, developer conference, for lack of a better term. Um, and they showed a bunch of things. So namely, they had four screens that they showed, four screen types. So after making a lot of fun of people for doing notches last year, Give guess it to who's me. doing notches? Give it to me. Tell me. Uh, they showed the Infinity U and the Infinity V screens, which are basically the U notch looks like the essential phone. The V notch looks horrible. Um, instead of being rounded, of it's like a it's a V on the bottom. It yeah. looks really terrible. It's bad. So they're going to do notch phones. It sounds like those are going to be limited to their mid-range phones or lower, but they are doing notch phones. Like the J variants, yep. right? Yeah. Then we had the Infinity O screen, which instead of having a notch, basically they're drilling a hole in the screen and they're putting the camera there. Um, I'm going to give it my O face. Pretty much. Go ahead. O. Oh. O. Oh. All right. Boy, I, I had to see that in person and everything. Um, <laughs> So this is, I actually really like this. Um, I've seen some renders of this and literally, you know, it, it would be a single hole in the screen centered in the top. It's small. I would say the big upside of this versus a notch is when you're in landscape mode and you're watching, if you're playing a game or you're watching content, the amount of screen real estate that's kind of out is way less than a notched phone. So um, it looks like... It sounds like the Galaxy S10 is going to use this design, although there was a cryptic tweet from our cat ice Overlord. universe friend that maybe the, the, the renders out there so far are wrong. I believe he said this technology was immature. No, that's the one we haven't gotten to yet, which is oh, Infinity. Okay. What is that one called? F? No, no, no. no. Is that what it is? No, no. Galaxy F. No, 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 the one before that, the, the full Infinity. Oh. There's a fourth uh, one. So, okay, we'll get to the F in a second. Yeah. Um, the last screen type is one where literally the whole screen is screen. There is no notch and there is no hole. They would hide the camera underneath the screen. Wait, go back. What was that again? There's no There's hole. Okay, just check. No, no hole for the O. <laughs> Sorry, that's me being infantile. But I just thought it was funny. That's what she said. Okay, move yeah, on. Wow, please leave that <laughs> as well. Um, so it looks like that they've tested this, but it still is distorting underneath the screen with the camera. It's not clear enough to be in production. So my my fearless prediction is the S10 Plus, S10, and Note 10 will have the Infinity O. It'll have this like drilled hole space. And then next year's models will probably have no hole. Nothing you'll be able to see the camera. Oh, that's right. Because the cat overlord the said that the camera under the glass was still blurry. Yeah, it's still blurry. Couldn't take good pictures. Not that's good right. Got it, got it, got it. But Samsung's making a lot of progress there. So it, it looks like they're going to... Last year, we kind of gave them a lot of shit, uh, justifiably, for kind of taking a year off and being lazy in design. Sounds like they're pushing things a lot harder this year. Speaking of things, which, they're pushing a lot which harder. Which brings that to one of my favorite things I've seen in a while, actually, which is they did finally show. I drove over to your house tonight just to hear this. i just to hear you speak about these words. The Infinity Flex display, which is a bendable smartphone display. Bendable and foldable. Fold. It is here, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, what they showed was a prototype in a bulky case. But basically what you have is a small screen on the front. So when you're using it in phone mode, it has a... I loaded this and now it's gone. It has a 4.8 inch screen, I believe. Riveting podcasting, thank you. You know what? I hate your face so much right now. <laughs> None of my phones hold stuff in memory. This is ridiculous. I'm upset. But anyway, it has a small screen up on the front with like an 1860 by, I don't know, 900 resolution. It's something yeah, really it was, bizarre. Yeah, kind of low. Um, then, though, you unfold it and it has a 7.3 inch Basically, it's like a 4 by 3 aspect ratio, uh, 1536 by 2400, I believe, 2436 uh, screen sure, on the inside. Um, Fairly high res, though. It was badass. Look, I'm just going to say, <laughs> the, guy, the guy shows up there, I'm like, that is so fucking cool. <laughs> I want one of those. Uh, the, the, the idea is, I guess, the version that they're going to show, bring out next year will not have this bulky case on. It's going to be something a little more commercial. This is going to be a Gen 1 product. It's going to be a plastic, some kind of plastic substrate screen. They said they did a lot of work on materials. Um, but 
and it's going to be a fortune. They were estimating today that it's going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of seventeen hundred dollars. Um, Wait for it, but it's so fucking cool. <laughs> I want one anyway. I mean, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I mean, as far as phones, like. It is a quantum leap forward. I, I don't know if this will ever be an actual thing. I, I do think foldable phones probably at some point will be, you know, the way phones are because it's just very handy to be able to fold something up. Um, I think this will definitely be a Gen 1 product. But even what they showed on on stage was actually, like, relatively refined and cool looking. I mean, Gen 1, no question. But yeah, for a prototype, it was So it was freaking pretty, cool. And then, and then Google is their partner on this. So Google has said, look, we don't want OS fragmentation, so we're working on a new version of the OS with them. Samsung showed, when you opened it up, how it could run like three apps at the same time, and they were working with Flipboard or someone on a proprietary version of the app. So, look, look, I make fun of $1,000 smartphones and call them like ridiculously expensive, but I'm seriously entertaining buying one of these suckers because it is so freaking cool. I, I, I don't know. Why would you buy that when you could buy a $1,300 red hydrogen one? It's also big. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to argue. <laughs> because I just it might actually be the same size except the, the Galaxy phone actually this, has this screen. Is, this is a ridiculous reason, but I just want to see people's faces when I freaking unfold my phone and start using it. I just I want to see it. The two things that struck me the most from that announcement were the one that Google's actually supporting this crazy-ass idea, it, and two... That the hinge is actually on the the side axis, not on the vertical axis. So the hinge itself is vertical rather than horizontal, which will allow the phone to kind of flip up. Instead, it'll open like a book, which seriously looks unwieldy, which I have no idea how. <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. It's not look unwieldy. It looks like a small tablet. It's smaller than an iPad <laughs> mini. It is so cool. You're wrong. It's a 7.3-inch goddamn phone. You take it back. I put up with your bullshit puns all the time. You do not insult the amazingness that is... The, it looks like a freaking Westworld tablet. It's so cool. I think you've officially lost your goddamn mind. I, I think so. I think that I'm a visionary that can see the future. You can have your goddamn Gen 1 product. Let me tell you, you can have that piece of shit and you can do book things. You take it back right now. It is so cool. It is so cool. It's the, I think, I think I did this joke in our chat earlier. I'm like, it's the way of the future. The way of the future. You know what? The way of the future. The way of the future. I'll say this right off the bat, unapologetically, as a Gen 1 product, it's already a way better design than the Pixel 3 XL. That is hard to argue, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. which is why I didn't buy that phone. Cram that up your pile. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've officially gone off the rails, I think it's probably time we wrap it up. This was fun, though. That was absolutely good time. I, I'm telling you, we will look back. Foldable smartphones, are they're the next big thing. Could very well be. I do I do like the concept of the, the hole drilling in this display. Because you definitely, when you're looking at um, when you're looking at the concept art of it, it is very, very elegant in terms of the screen just kind of flows around the opening for the camera, which makes it seem much more. Well, I mean, it is much smaller than an actual notch, and it seems much more. It uh, seems much less, I guess I should say, obtrusive than it might otherwise be. So that's pretty cool. And uh, you know, if, if if anybody's gonna be out there on the bleeding edge of doing it and can get away with it, it's it's Samsung. Yeah. Again, look, say what you will about them. They took a year off last year, and I said they suck. How does a company that large punt an entire year? This is gonna be a first gen product. It's gonna be really expensive, and it's gonna be a niche thing. So I, I totally get all of those things. But I do have to say, like. It's the coolest thing that I've seen in the smartphone space yeah. in years. I mean, it is it is really neat, and it may not be useful. I will grant you that, <laughs> the first generation, but there will be a day, I think, where all smartphones will be foldable like this because that has a lot of positive use cases. I don't know. We'll see. And they're doing something now. We we criticize them for the laziness that is no longer being exhibited. They are, they're definitely doing something that's very forward-looking that has a... Um, that, that has an application that maybe as a Gen 1 product doesn't fulfill its vision, but in subsequent generations absolutely could. So they are they are innovating, which is pretty much the only thing we can ask for. I mean, I would say this. When was the last thing you saw Apple do that was bleeding edge like that? For better or worse, like even if it wasn't good. I mean, when was the last time you saw an Apple product and you went, wow, that's like way ahead of the curve? It's you know, been... Yeah, Face ID was kind of an interesting thing. It's It's... 
it's biometric. Uh, the security of its biometry and the the technology that they use is really really cool. Um, I don't know as I necessarily appreciate it because I was much bigger fan, still am, of Touch ID and, and fingerprint authentication. But to me, that is it's cool tech. Now, unfortunately, it leads them to put a goddamn notch in their phones, which sucks. But if you're going to come up with an idea and implement a solution and remove the home button, that was that was pretty interesting to me. Before that. Uh, hard to say. Look, all I'm saying is if the big three companies on planet Earth, let's say four, let's say there's four large smartphone manufacturers, Apple's designs, especially in the smartphone space, they're fine. I think they're pushing the envelope in some areas, but it's not especially amazing. The OLED folding underneath so you can get the Huawei, screen. their phones are nice too, but they look like Samsung clones in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, or they're, they're kind of a, a mix of design elements. You have Google that is releasing hardware that looks a generation old. At least. And then you have Samsung, say whatever the hell you will, but they're drilling holes in things, and they're making foldable freaking phones. For better or worse... I give them a lot of credit for trying something different. Samsung, we're trying some crazy shit. That's their tagline now. We're trying some crazy shit. Yeah, but you know what? Their crazy shit's worked out in the past. You remember the Note 1? Oh my god, a 5.3-inch phone. This will never survive. True. When I had the Note 2, people mocked me. Who's yeah. laughing now? How often do you use your S Pen? I mean, not never. <laughs> <laughs> like, never, but the Note's it's a great phone. Yeah, it's a good phone. It's a good phone. I still love my Note 8 until I get my foldable phone. Very good. God damn. <laughs> and that's where we'll leave it. That'll be the show for the evening. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your sticking with us this long. But again, a quick plug, as always, you can find all of our content over at SiliconTheory.com. Follow us on social if you're into that kind of thing. We are at Silicon Theory on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, of course, you can check out the YouTube channel. There's a link in the description below. Or you can find it at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Silicon Theory. Thanks again for listening and have a good tech night, everybody. Good God, please cut that too. West Side. <laughs> night.